0: Hey, invite the neighbors. DIY podcast is sponsored by two foot parade records. Uh, two foot parade records is based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. For those of you not in Michigan, Kalamazoo is a real place. Um, I promise it's on the West side. Um, they have a new release on March 5th, um, which is a re-release of closet goths album called friendship village. And it's a tape that comes with a digital zine. So check that the fuck out. Um, and, uh, Gabe, let me know if you don't want me to say fuck during the ads. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, they are a really cool um, record label. They're all about like kind of giving the power to the artists. Um, so, I mean, that's honestly great, and it lends itself to DIY bands. So if you want to check them out, they sub- they take submissions on their website, twofootparade.com, um, and you can find all their stuff there. They have uh, Nest Lake recently put out a tape on the label, and uh, Worry Club also put out a tape recently on their record label. So check out twofootparade.com. Also check out Almost Made the Mixtape's latest single, 23 and Disappointed, off of their upcoming EP, Here's to Getting Old. Voice crack, doesn't matter. 23 and Disappointed is a dive into the dissatisfaction of adult life and all the frustrations and isolation that come along with it. The single and lyric video are now streaming wherever you get your music. You can find them on social media at AMTM Band. And pause to make it feel like this is a separate segment. And welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. On this episode, we had Jariah Clare, dude check out Jariah I mean if you're a fan of like Early Panic the Disco like that's super theatrical but this is like that but more poppy more energetic I would say more electronics and just we we do a lot of talk about that but also about like being really savvy with marketing and how can you, you use social media to your advantage as a band especially when you're trying to make a name for yourself so we really nerd out in that regard on this podcast um, so I really hope that you guys get something out of actually listening to it um, anyways please share this podcast please tell a friend about it um please follow us on social media invite the neighbors at itn pod on twitter invite the neighbors pod on instagram thinking about changing the name of the podcast to be honest too so might have to rebrand it because i don't think anyone fucking understands what invite the neighbors is but it's all good dude we'll figure it out might have a new name soon that makes more sense um more related to music anyways I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Please share, rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. If you listen to podcasts, you know what they always ask you to do. And if you want to be featured in an ad, hit me up. It's like $15 an episode or something. Very reasonable. And here's the episode. All right. Now, there we are. Ah, uh, now we're now it's uh, Looney Tunes back in action. All right. So, dude, Jiraiya. So, I listened to uh, first... You know, I I listened to your most recent single and then I kind of got through some of your other stuff and this was, so I didn't know that we had you booked. I just like your publicist or something, uh, booked you. And then I saw someone posting about one of your new songs on Twitter and I was like, oh, that's an interesting name. I'm going to check them out. And then I was looking at my podcast calendar and that you were already booked and I was like, fuck yeah. And then I listened to your stuff. And the, my first impressions were like, oh, this is really theatrical. This is really awesome. And then I yeah, checked- I'm
1: really happy that we have a uh, pop royalty on the pod today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
2: That's crazy. though. I That's right? such a fun story. Because like I remember, I, re- I don't remember who, it might have been my manager that brought it up like months and months ago. And they were like, yeah, it's going to be like way later next year in like March. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And and now we're here. And I feel like so much has happened in between.
0: Dude, that's how I feel almost every episode, because (laughs) like literally we're booked into July now. And it's usually like that. And so from the time I book someone, like I read their little email and their bio or whatever. And then I I honestly like honestly stop doing that because it's usually like three, four, five months between the time I book it and the time I do it. So it's, I like to just be surprised now. So like a couple of days before someone's on, I'll just look into them and figure out who's going to be on
1: next. I can't believe that you would pull <laughs> back the curtain on the process like this. I know. <laughs> Anyone can start a podcast. Making now. it sound like Emma Tours. <laughs> no,
0: I mean, really, it's just, it's just a testament to like how many cool people come on, you know, and, and how, um, we're starting to get guests that like other people like in my direct friend group were talking about, like my buddy Connor from the the summit shack was posting about like one of your new songs. And I was like, Oh, let me check them out. And then you were already booked. I was like, dude, this is awesome. Uh, I love that. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: damn, I miss Connor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that
0: house. But I want to ask you, we, we do ask actual questions. So, um, do we, I'm curious about like, Benny and I are both musicians. I don't know if they made that clear. Um, But like the whole premise of this podcast is we're musicians. We like to talk to other people in like DIY or, or, you know, music scene or whatever, just kind of relating experiences and like talking process, talking bullshit, you know, a little bit of both. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's been fun. It's fun. We don't like try to structure the interviews because then I would not want to do it and I wouldn't do it. Um, But. I'm curious. The first thing that I wanted to know when I listed yourself is like, what is your songwriting process, like, or like, what gets you into the headspace to be like that theatrical type of singer? You know what I mean? Like that's like it's
1: very maximalist. Yeah, if I can use a word to. Describe.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, kind of, what? How do you get yourself in that space, or does it just kind of happen organically, and then you rec- recognize like, oh, I better write something? How does
1: that kind of work for you?
2: Let me see. Well, first of all, that's my favorite word to use to describe my music maximalist. I love that. Um,
1: but um, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean it with all of the heart and sincerity and positive vibes in me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think that kind of sums it up, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, how do I get like in the mindset? I think it's just sort of it feels like a part of me. I mean, I'm just a very theatrical person, I think. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I guess, like, super outwardly, like, you know, that way in real life. But, like, I feel it. I feel that way on the inside. And I feel like my music is just, like, I guess this channel for me to sort of take whatever, like, crazy ideas or, like, I don't know, musical impulses and just throw them out. Especially performance-wise, I think that's something I've always been inspired by, like, in other you know, vocalists and stuff like that, seeing, like, these big performances. You know, I'm from New York. Um, You know, obviously Broadway is, like, a big thing here. I feel like that's just, like, embedded in me at this point. So I'm always looking for it in other people's music. And I think it's just kind of become a part of the way I I approach it.
0: Yeah, I can definitely... uh you know empathize with that to a, to an extent like not so much in like the music i write but in the stuff that i like appreciate like bands i love like i loved panic at the disco's first record you know when i was in high school i was like one of those kids who was like on that shit from day one and then you know the deer hunter is another band that i think of it's just, like very like every record is like a, almost like Theater piece, you know what I
1: mean? Like, forgive Durden.
0: Forgive Durden, another one. Yeah, but, you know, I got into them. I will say before the Razia Shadow thing, and I was kind of turned off by Razia Shadow. Ah, uh, I quit. It, it's it was good, but compared to Wonderland, dude, I'm sorry if if anyone thinks Forgive Durden is okay or because they are Razia Shadow is all you know. Listen to Wonderland, and and understand why Razia Shadow was such a disappointment. But that's all I'll say.
2: that's 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 really interesting because I remember like earlier like this year or last year. Somebody who had heard my music was like, you should check out Razia's Shadow. And I did. I had never heard of Forgive Dirt. And I was like, this is awesome. This is sick. I'm going to try and get into them. And they were like, ah, it's not really worth it. I feel like this is the only good one. So I, I never did. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs>
1: Brian, dude, Wonderland is the shit. It's the shit. Yeah, but it's not as good as Razia's Shadow. Oh, it is. See, this is going to be it's... our first, like, beef between oh, you and I on the podcast, God. because I will not stand... Have you heard the song with Max Bemis? Yeah, I have. I have. Do have I you heard the, the song with a dude uh, from Saves the Day who I can't think of his Chris name Chris Conley? Right yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've heard it all. I have it. I have it. It's a. It's really... I mean, it's good. I like it. I was not a Razia's Shadow <laughs> hater. Just good. It... Yeah, but Wonderland is a masterpiece. Ooh, it's, it's no, it's it's no, it's it's no masterpiece. King of Limbs. It's no King of Limbs. But, okay. Well, We're gonna I'm going to have
2: to I'm going to have to see what's up.
0: Yeah. No, dude. It's... Okay, so I'll just say Wonderland, and then I'll ask you about your band. This is how the podcast goes, by the way. All right, my ADD can't be stopped. It, Wonderland is like... It's, it's a concept record, and it's without... The theater elements of it but the lyrics are 10 times better like the story is more metaphorical it's 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 less ham like to, like um hammer and nail it's like re- less in your face about yeah, it like it's, it's more poetry underpiece. yeah it's more poetic rather than just rhyming that I think Rosie Shadow just rhymes a lot of times and uh I mean not to say that there aren't like good lines in it and stuff but just Wonderland front to back is just like an artistic masterpiece I think for for what that genre is anyways and then when I got Rosie Shadow I was like you know it w- it was okay but it's it's clearly trying to be more of a play than a, like a record and you know that's I think from the terms of just like actual musicianship all that stuff yeah Wonderland's where it's at Benny we'll talk we'll talk some other time <laughs> I,
1: I, 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 I was gonna say Jariah this is our dynamic our podcast is literally just uh what if so, what if one what if a man with ADD and a day with OCD like legitimately for both of us started a podcast
0: and then we had sweet musicians come on to talk about how shitty Greta Van Fleet is and how <laughs> awesome Radiohead is and that's well, pretty much I all love we it. do. This seems like a
2: really great time. I'm glad glad to be part of this little thing that's
0: happened. <laughs> yeah, dude. This oh, happens. this this podcast found its wings when I came on as well. Yeah, yeah. This happens about one or two times a week. So we're we're actually really glad to have you though because I uh you know, I I like a lot of the bands that come on here musically. I mean I've liked them all personally to be honest, but like musically, you know, sometimes naturally taste wise, other people jump out of you more than others. And like, I was excited to have you because I like a genuinely was like bumping your shit. Benny and I were listening to it the other day. Like we would listen to this anyways, you know? And so that's why I was stoked to like talk to you about all this stuff. And the next thing that I was kind of wondering was I noticed that you had, uh, it looks like you had a couple different like singles or it looked like you were favoring like the shorter releases. And we've talked a lot about like how that's like a strategy now. And it makes sense given the way people consume art and music and things like that so i was just curious kind of like what your philosophy is towards like the length of releases and if like your plan is to keep that up or if you have any like full length stuff that you can talk about or where are you oh, at with that stuff? yeah,
2: for sure i love talking strategy it's fun stuff <laughs>
1: um but <laughs> oh you you and brian would get along well mm-hmm
2: yeah, I think it's re- th- it's really interesting because there's there's so many like layers behind like how you release something. I feel like it's just as important as the thing itself. You know. But oh, yeah. um yeah, so recently we have been doing um let's see. So there's the full the first full length. That was in 2018 and things were pretty quiet after that until last year. Um and that was when we released Um, To mend the sun, which is like a six song EP, I think. And then just a bunch of singles for the rest of the year. I think there were like four, five singles,
0: maybe four. Yeah, I thought I saw a bunch on there.
2: There were a couple. But yeah, basically, um, I started writing like the next full length that still isn't out um, pretty much right after the first album came out. And um I've just been chipping away at it. Um I'm now working with um another producer and drummer who is called Cole, uh, my favorite dude in the world. And um he's been involved in all the stuff we did last year. And you know, basically as we were sort of building out this album and I'm I'm still writing and figuring everything out, I was like I don't want to like wait another like however many years and you know, to finish this thing. I'd like to And also, I I don't really feel like, especially last year, you know, we had a pretty, like, tiny audience. I think when, before before the last EP came out, we had, like, 50 monthly listeners or something like that. And I was like, I just, I don't want to pour my soul into this album and release it to nobody, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not under any delusion that I'm going to just release it and it's going to become the biggest thing in the world. So...
1: Right, right.
2: You know, so 2020, the plan was really to just build some buzz, you know, keep releasing stuff, make a really big deal out of like our very small releases and put a lot of fire onto them and just be everywhere. I mean, that's really that's really, I guess, like the mantra right now, just just be in everybody's face all the time and just be unavoidable. And I feel like singles are just the way to go. And it feels like it's, you know, it's slowly been building some traction. And, you know, the idea is that we'll release this record. All of this is just part of the record release like strategy so that, you know, once it's done and we're ready to get to it, you know, we'll have somebody to give it to. <laughs> I,
0: I think that that's the way to do it, man. Like I'm sitting on an EP. Well, Benny and I are both in a band together uh, and we, our first record is being mixed right now. And uh I'm really thinking a lot about different ways to release it because like you said, like especially for us, like this is the first record, but a lot of people don't really know us. I think most people know of us because we do this podcast, to be honest. Like most people that do know us because we don't have music out, they only know us because of this podcast, which is great, but like I'm thinking about just releasing the record as singles, like one at a time, part by part. And just to see how, or like release almost the whole thing in singles and then release it as an EP with like an interludes an intro and outro type thing. Um, Because what you were thinking, it made me think like, instead you can take an EP and instead of just releasing it one time and only getting to hype one release, you release it in parts and then as a full thing. And you have like five or six releases of the same thing. It's like you repurposed 25 minutes of music into five or six releases instead and that you all promote independently and they all kind of work towards the final thing rather than just like okay here's the record it's out and now i'm just gonna push yeah this that's one kind thing.
1: of like stretching out like the for lack of a better term hype and promotion behind it yeah over the course of like a while over the course of like the three or four months that you're dropping stuff from it instead of like oh, here's the single, it's out in three weeks, and then you release the whole thing, and then it's just like, how do you keep that momentum? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah,
2: that's really it. It's like, it's momentum. And, you know, I think every single time you release something, that's just another time that you're you're kind of, your name is going around, and you're getting in front of new people. And, you know, and I know for me, at least, it's it's really hard for me to get into new music, and it takes me some time to, like, I kind of have to see a certain band over and over and over until I'm finally like, all right, like I'll bite what's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, you know, the focus is trying to recreate that experience for, for other people.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I'm really glad that we brought this up and we're talking about this because it's kind of solidifying these thoughts as I'm thinking about them, as you're talking about them, like what am I going to do with my own stuff? And I think you're absolutely right. And that kind of got me thinking too, about like, you know, when you said, like, I need to be, you know, confronted with a band over and over and over before you finally it, that's exactly my experience, even if I'm not consciously aware of it all the time. And I think, you know, in terms of like Instagram promotions, like, you, you know, you're scrolling and then you just randomly, if you see a band that even pays for a promotion, that even says something, that even gets your attention. Like, oh, they must think something of this to put money behind it you know, if I see that a few times, I probably will check it out over someone who's just posting. And I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but just seeing the fact that they're promoting it is like this extra subconscious layer of like intrigue around it. And oh, for sure. Yeah. That's a like like. Yeah. And like what, like knowing what, you know, after like, you know, all the releases that you've done, like, how have you, have you utilized, um, like Instagram or social media promotions at all? Like how do you feel like those have been effective?
2: Yeah, I, I do. Actually, I do. I definitely have gotten into the whole ads thing that that kind of started last year and it took some time, but I definitely got the hang of it and it's, it's had some really great results for, you know, I don't have exactly have big budgets to work with, you know, so it's really like leveraging a small amount of money to get a big return. And You know, good things have happened. You know, I think we sort of had our first more successful campaign with Split. I started started really like nailing down like who the demographic for the song was. And it's different every time, which is such a pain, especially for such weird music. You know, I think it'd be way easier if we were just making punk music. I'd know exactly like what to put into the little boxes. But it's this thing, you know, of just trying to figure out like, who who wants this? You know, <laughs> who's going to listen yeah. to this song? Yeah. And really nailing it down and, you know, trying to just get it everywhere. And it's another one of those things where every time, and I've noticed I do this too, where somebody would be like, I keep seeing this ad. And then it's always when they see it in a different context, I think when it really clicks, you know, like, do you ever like, just see like a band name, like all over the place, like casually, and you're not interested but then I feel like the moment I see it in a place where I wouldn't expect it, you know, like I'll be like, hold on a second. Like, this is. Like yeah. It's not the same people that keep talking about this. Like, I found you again in the wild, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's not, it's yeah. It's that kind of thing. And I feel like the ads kind of do that.
0: Yeah. And what can you honestly this is like a selfish question because like I like I said I'm literally in this position trying to figure it out but I think a lot of our listeners are musicians too and could benefit from this type of knowledge and like what can you kind of tell us specifically about how, like what you've learned about like targeting your demographic like is it like f- specifically like do you target for like fans of other bands like people who follow other bands that you think or like what are some of like the filters that that have been working for you um yeah so it's yeah primarily i'd say i go it's
2: it's a whole complicated thing but i mean I can get into it if you want. Like, if Ab, I'm dude,
1: always
0: down. It, go for it. If you don't mind, like, th- we're nerds. Like, this is the type of shit, like, I straight up want to know. Yeah. So, if you don't care, like, if you don't mind. Oh, I'm so down because I feel like oh, it's let's do it.
2: such <laughs> useful information to have. Exactly, you know? dude. Pretty, that's pretty much what, anybody can do it,
0: so. Yeah, that's what this is about.
2: Okay, so here's, here's the situation, right? You know, if we're starting... The main thing I target is people that are fans of certain bands, right? So you you go through the Facebook ad manager and you mainly are able to target larger artists, which, you know, of course, makes sense. So a lot of the times I'll, you know, I'll go for bands like Panic at the Disco or My Chemical Romance or if I'm doing something that's, you know, I guess borrowing from other niches, I might include an artist there. You know, I try to get some artists... Um, because I'm working with such a small budget, usually I'm, I'm usually targeting one streaming platform, which is usually just Spotify because majority of people are on there. It just makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of feels like I just kind of be throwing more money into the void if I'm trying to target everywhere. And, you know, I think it's definitely usually advisable to, to put most of your energy into one place and really hyper focus on it.
0: So yeah,
2: yeah. So there's that aspect. So it'll usually be a thing where it's like target Spotify users. And out of those Spotify users, target fans of XYZ, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll, you know, it was a little hard at the beginning, because I didn't have the data about my own audience to work with. But as we figured that out, I was able to target things like, you know, age, and then the countries are a big thing. Because one not every country has spotify so you can already narrow it down to that
0: ah and that, okay and
2: that changed a lot this like last month they added like 80 countries so that became a whole other thing they're always adding more territories but yeah. so you, you narrow it down to the countries that have spotify and then i tend to split it up into different groups from there because um you know, if you're going through pretty much any kind of ad manager, um I go through Facebook and there's also Google's thing. I'm assuming it's a similar situation where they're trying to get you the most, you know, like clicks. Yeah. You know, per cent or per dollar, Brazil is a big one, I guess. Where you know you're most likely going to get more results. It's just cheaper to advertise there. But then the problem you end up with is that the algorithm notices that, and it's like, oh, we'll just put your entire budget into Brazil, which is cool, but it's that makes it tricky, you know, because yeah. then you can't place, yeah, you don't have a local audience. So part of that ends up having to be a situation where you split up the budget. And say, like, okay, cool. I know I can get a lot of results in like Russia or Ukraine or Brazil or whatever. And you just kind of cap it somewhere. Yeah. And say, like, I want 50% of my budget to go to that. And say, like, I want, like, I don't know, like 25% of it to focus specifically on the United States or, you know, United Kingdom or Canada or whatever else it is. Right. Yeah. You kind of, yeah, you split it up that way so that you can even out the results a little bit. Because you know robots aren't neutral; they, they still have their own, their own biases. So you kind of have to kind of keep them in check a little bit.
0: So weird the way we talk about them, by the way. Like they have like conscious thoughts and stuff. Like their biases, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, no, but I they mean, totally that's the do right do word.
1: That's the people. right word.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the right word. It's just fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sorry, go on because like this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not a whole lot from there. I mean, unless you have any specific questions.
0: No, I mean, I, no, I, I, we won't take up the whole time on this, you know, but like, it's, I really try to use the podcast. Like if people can get past the first 15 minutes of utter bullshit, you know, hopefully I can get into some stuff that like will actually help them because I really believe that, The only thing really separating like true talent from success is, is, uh, the ability to work for it and the knowledge to put behind that. And so I like asking people that are savvy and are clearly savvy, you know, I mean, such as yourself, like, you know what you're doing. It sounds like you're learning on the job as we all kind of trying, we're trying to. And, uh, every day. (laughs) Yeah. And it's something that I value that type of information a lot because, like, I'm trying to be a sponge and I'm trying to, like, borrow as many good ideas from other people as I can for my own you know for my own stuff and I think a lot of people are doing the same thing and hopefully if they listen to this podcast they can get some of that um
2: yeah that- I hope so because it's it's a lot of stuff to to figure out all at once you know but it's just like a, a gradual learning process and I'm always finding new little things or learning stuff I'm doing wrong so yeah. it's it's a fun little, little journey
0: and now, do you um, I'll kind of jump jump ship a little bit. So, like when you're doing a, uh, you you said you started writing a new full length, and with the uh, with the theatricality of what you do, it really lends itself, I would imagine at least to uh, to themes within the releases, um, you know, concepts, things like that. And I'm wondering, like when when you go to write a full length, do you have a concept in mind? Or do you just kind of see what happens?
2: Um well so far there's always been a concept. Um I love concept albums. I just I love the whole idea of just like That's so what
1: we love to hear. Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: it's great. And I think for me it just makes more sense for my brain, you know, because I can I'll usually start with like this kind of framework. Like I have like this Google Sheets or whatever thing that just like List of chapters in this story. What do I want to happen? What themes am I exploring in each song, and what's the overall greater story? And then from there, I can really nail nail down. Like I can say, it's going to be this many songs. Each song is going to be about this thing, and I can kind of go into each thing with some intention. So sometimes, you know, there's there's like content behind the song. There's like meaning behind it before it's even been like started at all, which I think is makes it so much easier than to like write like 50 songs and and nail it down to a couple
0: yeah that that makes sense because like i uh it's it's weird i i like concepts but that's a more detailed approach to it than what i've i've done or honestly it's one of the more detailed ones it sounds almost like you're writing a book you know what i mean like i've uh you know it's one of those bucket list things where I'm like a stoner that says they're going to write a novel, you know what I mean? But like I've, you know, in taking creative writing classes and things like that back in college, you know, they would teach you kind of how to attack something like that. And what you're describing sounds a lot like that. Like they kind of outline it. They figure out what the chapters are going to be, what each chapter is going to be about before they start writing. And it sounds like you're kind of doing that with your songs. Whereas like I, um, we'll have like a general concept in mind, but then I just kind of start writing and just see what happens. But I think your way is probably better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, you, if you're, I mean, you know, I'm joking, like it, everyone's pro- has a different process, but I think like if you're going for a true concept, like a true sort of uh, like pinpointed thing, like this is specifically precisely what I want to be said and what I want to be um, expressed, then that sounds like a good way to do it. I mean, have you ever – what about with, like, the singles? Like, do, does it ever feel like you kind of have freedom from that? Like, to just release something that's just its own thing?
2: Yeah, that's that's another thing. But a, another reason why we started doing singles, especially going into the whole pandemic situation. Um, so, okay, <laughs> okay. So, a big thing with why we ended up pushing back this album, the second one, for so long – is because it was originally basically about, like, a pandemic, much like the one we're in right now. Oh, no, no. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so then it happened, and I was like, ugh, like, <laughs> I don't want to release this
0: now. This is, thank this you for that, though. Awful. Thank you, thank you, because I don't want to hear the quarantine record.
2: Oh, my unless, God, right? Unless Radiohead can... releases it. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I can't stand it. Just like,
0: dude, thank as, you. As soon as it
2: started, people being like, "I'm gonna make a movie. It's gonna be about <laughs> yeah. a movie. everybody is sick and it's post-apocalyptic." And
0: I'm like, Ugh. Tenacious D already did that. <laughs> it's called <laughs> Post Apocalypto. But no, like, and I think that's the only way it works as a comedy. I don't want to hear the serious. <laughs> I don't want the serious version, dude. We're all living in it. Like, maybe in 15 (laughs) years from now, I can see, uh, you know, some, you know, artsy director's take on it. But, like, just you in your bedroom writing songs with an acoustic, I don't give a fuck, dude. And I I don't mean to be that to say I stifle artistic creativity. (laughs) I just don't care personally, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it's just, I don't know.
2: I'd much prefer somebody just, like, tell their experience as it's happening right now than like try to write a fan fiction of what we're currently going through. (laughs) So I was like, well, can't release the pandemic album. And honestly, I was getting kind of tired of the idea anyways. It felt like I'd hit a wall. So I was like, okay, let's just explore some other stories throughout the year that aren't going to be like, you know, whole several year endeavors. So that ended up being the first one was debt collector. I was like, let's just write a thing. I was finally getting back into anime now that I, now that I had some free time. And that then, explains the video a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and there was that. There was this next single releasing. There was change of pace and all this stuff where I was like, oh my god, like I'm. It's so refreshing to just write these little stories and. You know, funnily enough, all of the singles, with the exception of like two of them, ended up being connected anyways, because I just got really into this theme of like faking your death. And I, I noticed that all of them were kind of leaning in that direction anyways, even if not intentionally. So they, they did end up being like a
0: concept thing together.
2: But I think it was really refreshing to approach it a little differently you know, and just kind of see where it, where it wants to go.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting too. Like I, in terms of like those standalone releases, kind of having like similarities conceptually, I think that a brain that is prone to pattern making and things like that. I think there's a subconscious level where that's still happening. Um, Like I, the record I wrote is, has a loose concept and I didn't really intend for that. But once that was written, I kind of saw it. And then I started tying up the loose ends and tightening it up to make that concept more apparent. But I think like that, like if I were to release all of them as just singles, I think I would have the same sort of experience as you thinking like, oh, there's actually kind of a concept here, even though they're all their own specific thing. And I think that's just a product of writing about like from your own perspective. Like if you're writing in a certain period of time. You're naturally going to be influenced by the things that happened in that time frame, you know, depending on what your style is. But I think that definitely can happen whether you intend to or not, which I think is like one of those fascinating psychological things. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's also one thing I it took me a long time to like, I guess, come to terms with that. Like, when I wrote my first album, I was really determined to just, like, this is entirely fictional. I'm, like, completely detached from this story. And it's, like, that's that's just never the case. Like, you can't be completely detached from something you're writing. I think it's always yeah, because an it's expression like, of you.
1: Yeah, because, like, and also because, like, and this is kind of the experience I've had with some of the Boyfrienders stuff, especially scenes in Brooklyn, where it's, like, Hey, you can intend for all of these to be like fictional stories or like refer to yourself as like a storyteller. But all of that will oh. always have at least some kind of bedrock in personal experience, at least from my personal observation. I think
2: I, think I lost you.
1: Yeah. Wait. We can hear you now.
2: Oh, we it. OK, wait, did my sound go out? <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know. Did you hear
1: Benny. No, I,
2: like... In the middle of that, I, I kind of lost you.
1: <laughs> well, basically, pretty much all I said was, like, a lot of, like, even that storytelling aspect does have some kind of bedrock or foundation and personal experience. So I feel like it's kind of really hard to, like, completely divorce yourself from that. Yeah. I think the
0: best fiction probably comes from a place of emotional honesty. And, like... Unless you uh, emotional honesty, like I'm not saying that you have to have an experience in order to convey that because like Daniel Day Lewis is a person and like he can just be anyone on the planet. But like, you know, for, for the layman or like someone who's not a complete, utter genius, I think the best fiction writing or the best like artistic expression comes from things that you actually experience and you understand the emotionality of it and things like that.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think like that was it took a lot of, I guess, like mental navigation to figure out how I want to approach songwriting, because I know I love fiction. I know I love writing stories, but then I know I also, you know, it's kind of unavoidable that it'll be an expression of like me and my experiences, even if I'm not writing about them. So trying to marry those was a bit tricky. And I think it was like probably when I discovered like. Um, when I started getting into Billie Eilish and like kind of watching their process and, and seeing what, you know, what Billy and Phineas do, that they talked a lot about this idea of like writing fiction that like marries reality and like, you know, either taking a real thing and like exaggerating it or whatever the case may be. I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. Like this isn't stuff that happened, but there's like, there's some truth to the songs
1: being written and I kind of love that approach I can't hear him, so you need to respond Brian's having some technical Wait, issues right no, now I apologize I anything, so. oh something's going on yeah yeah it was on. being weird for a second can you hear us now yeah hmm to all the listeners out there a ghost has entered Brian's house and has <laughs> went into the room Mike God oh well
0: um can you hear us now yes <laughs> okay nice yeah one day uh one day we'll have the money we'll just fly out everybody we'll fly everyone out to taylor michigan Dude, private guests. jet yeah with a big itn
1: house logo on the side <laughs> yeah. it'll be a green yeah. though it'll be a prius the, jet people will look up in the sky and be yeah. like "Oh, invite the neighbors it's flying another guest oh yeah there's oh, there there's
0: chariah well, i'll have
1: everyone everyone's yeah oh
0: fuck um trying to think what could we
1: possibly do
0: you know what let me change my internet uh I, you need to
1: you need to put like hold music in here when you're editing do, the episode do, do, do. i don't know why the default <laughs> is always jeopardy do, do,
0: do, 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 do,
1: so are you you said you're from new york are you in new york now I think it's kind of. Yeah. It's it's switching over to the other. To <laughs> Yeah,
0: at least we got all this content on the Ableton still.
1: Yeah. i going to message. I'm glad you brought up the New York thing because I was about to do that. I bet you were. Hey, you know what? <laughs>
0: okay wait
1: okay I think Discord might be just restarting yeah discord's getting angry can you can you message on there oh wait it says voice connected okay can you hear us now all right ah there it. we go Woo. Nice. i have
0: I, i'm convinced that my house well i know that my house has two different wi-fi's which I, I don't know why they give you two different wi-fi's but uh yeah it always it always defaults everything always defaults to the one that's shitty so i changed it over so hopefully it was that um but uh i was gonna ask you said you're from New York, you know Benny. Just take it away. Benny's the New York expert on this podcast.
1: The, the New York expert. Okay, whatever, Brian. Word. But but um, I was kind of personally wondering how, like, because you live in the Bronx, right? Yep. How does living in the Bronx and just like kind of New York in general kind of like influence your songwriting? Because, like, that's that's like it's one of those weird things where you've listened to someone for the first time and then you're just like, oh, I can tell where they're from.
0: Charlie Bliss was that for me, like the Young Enough album, like they're from fucking New York. And I saw the way they dressed, like they're from New York.
1: And uh, <laughs> so but yeah, so I love was, them, by the way. So I was just wondering if, like, if the location aspect has any kind of bearing on the songwriting in general or any kind of influence.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I'm definitely one of those people that's like, I love New York. This is this is the place that I probably will always want to be. Um, I just feel very connected to the city as a whole, especially the Bronx. But um, yeah, I'd say like, yeah, specifically the Bronx had a huge impact on like my musical taste growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, just like a lot of like reggaeton and a lot of hip hop and a lot of salsa and, you know, just stuff you hear people playing in their cars and at house parties, you know, or just like, like black if, speakers. Or like
1: if you're, if you're like walking through a subway station and seeing like performers and stuff like that. Cause yeah. that's the thing is I am also a, big new york head even though i technically don't live there i'm technically technically they don't live there i'm, I'm still out <laughs> dude i have family out there i'm out there all the time know Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's just like yeah i really <laughs> it's like you can't really get better than being there to have kind of all those influences to pull from because like kind of being from the midwest me and brian like the cultural bedrock of music in downriver Michigan is like Pat Ray's basement. Pat Ray's basement. <laughs> no, that's an Ipsy. But oh, true. It's like going to a bar and like just happening to see a Motley Crue cover band. Huh. It's kind of like the scale of like, oh, this is the kind of music that we run into accidentally. Yeah. Out there, it's just like, like my Airbnb last time I was there a few weeks ago was like two blocks away from union square. And it was just like, Hey, every time I would go up there, it would be like, there'll be a guy just like killing it on the trombone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> shit like that. And it's just like, that's always just like, and then you would, then you could like, Oh, you could go into like the station and like you, you'll see like, People just playing, like, one person's playing an acoustic guitar and one person's playing the pan flute with, like, the coffee can in front of them for tips. Like, kind of, like, I don't know. I just really love... It's a very musical city. It is, From my general observation. And if I might interject here, I think, like,
0: I've only been to New York uh, twice in my life. And uh, I fucking love it, though. But I, I really think that part of the musicality of it. Now, this might sound pretentious and a little abstract, so uh, sorry for you, uh, oh, Brian listeners.
1: Abstract? Who would have thought?
0: Yeah, but oh, uh,
1: I'm intrigued. Now. <laughs> I, th-
0: I think part of the musicality of it is just not necessarily all the music. I think that there's a lot of just diversity of different types of people and the way, like the dy- the, the the drastic dynamic shifts from meeting one person into meeting another person, or just like looking at you know, all the different moods and personalities that you run into on a daily basis. Like there's much less like um, homogeneity, if that's the right word um, of personality that you like out here in the Midwest. It's like, yeah, there's different types of people, but you're not likely to encounter 10 different, completely different types of people in a 10 minute span. Like you would with New York. And I think that there's something, there's something to that. Like when I say like musicality, I'm just in terms of like, Dynamic shifts and mood shifts and tonal shifts and things like that. There's so much of that.
2: Yeah. Yes, exactly. I feel that so much. And the big thing I think that separates, you know, a place like New York or any major city is that it's so small, you know, and it's so many people in one place that, you know, even if you take like a neighborhood that's, you know, primarily one population or one you know, has like a style of music, it's, it's an, it's like a few blocks away from the next, you know, sort of cultural circle. Yeah. And I think all of it just kind of like melts together. And, you know, you don't, I don't think anybody in New York really is, is ever confined to their one neighborhood. You know, I think if you yeah. live in the city, you most likely find yourself all over it and you kind of get to experience the entire thing and all these different types of people.
0: Yeah. That, that's such a major, um, uh, what is the word? What, what what is the word when some, something brings you in (laughs) like, uh, immersive? No, it's like an attractive thing. (laughs) It's like an attractor. No, like the, 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 the noun. Okay, Brian, I think I know
1: what you're going for. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but yeah. You get two guesses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Try it. It's my podcast. I'll do what I want. But no, uh, it, it, it draws me in. It's one it's enticing. What what are the things Benny said that I'm not taking credit for? But no, I like that about it because like my ADD just loves that shit, dude. Like all the different types of things happening. Like I hate monotony. Anything and that's why I love your music, to be honest, dude. Like, because it's not boring. And when I say not boring, I mean like structurally, it's there's a lot of different movements and there's a lot of movement, you know? And I I really dig that and like That's something I try to incorporate in my own writing is a lot of different parts and a lot of like trying to never repeat a single part, the exact same and, and still have coherence and still have um, like an obvious flow to it. Like, and I think your music definitely achieves that. And uh, it's, I guess a songwriting question. So like when you have that much going on, like, do you structure out like an entire song in an advance with all those transitions and things like that? Or does it just kind of happen on the fly as you're writing?
2: Um, that's definitely, first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, dude. I'm really glad that it like resonates with you that way. Cause that's, yeah. that's a, lot, a lot of the stuff I feel like when I'm listening to music, I love, but, um, Yeah, a lot of that stuff happens on the fly. I think the way I write music is maybe a little different from most people because it's it's just weird. Um, I tend to like really write like measure by measure or like bar by bar. You know, I don't I don't usually write out a song entirely or like you know try to make it instrumental entirely or you know give myself a guideline. It'll usually literally be I'm like writing, producing, and arranging at the same time, just going from, like, moment to moment. And I f- really want to, like, fully flesh out a certain moment because I feel like that is going to inform what happens afterward. You know, it's it's really yes. hard for me to, like, write a chorus when I don't know what's what's leading into it, you know? Because I think Dude, every yes. single part ties into each other. It's not, like, a bunch of layers as much as it is, like, one big not i guess
0: i yeah i don't think i've ever written a guitar part like outside of a song that didn't end up being the first part of a song like i've never written a chorus and thought all right well what's the verse gonna be if i write something sweet and that's like the first idea usually that's just the beginning you know (laughs) 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 that's just the beginning i'm like all right where do i go from here and that's kind of like how benny and i have been writing benny on drums like i'll come at them with like a maybe like a, a structured guitar part, but like we'll kind of sit with each guitar part and just make sure that it makes sense where each part goes. Yeah. It's, it's always a beginning to end like, all right, what feels cool here? And I think that makes it a lot easier to um to remember all of it, to be honest. like, So if I was like a musician coming in trying to learn your songs or even one of my songs, because I think structurally there's a lot of similarities, I think it'd be a lot harder to come in and learn the song after it's already written but when you're writing it that way it's just it's so it's such a logical flowing process that's not as difficult i mean i think anyways as as it might suggest listening to it for the first i mean does that make sense
2: yeah no for sure i think it's it very much kind of mimics the way that like learning happens at least for me you know you go like thing by thing like imagine if you went to school and like learned like roughly the entire syllabus first and then had to like right and do each lesson it'd be like a nightmare you know but definitely i will say makes it very hard getting other musicians learning the song which is why church we've got (laughs) it
0: You are preaching to the choir, my friend. That is that has been the bane of my fucking existence, dude. It's hey, fame here. It's so hard. It's, it's so hard, tough. but it's so rewarding when you do, though.
2: Yeah, I mean that's why so far. I mean it's a it's a small lineup. A really funny story, I guess. Actually, the first time I same tried person. to like bring other musicians onto this, um, I just like met a couple musicians around like campus at school, and I was like okay guys so here's the deal like i think it was like for a battle of the bands and I, I wanted to have like a backing band to really like you know bring the songs to life and i got this group of like four or five guys together and you know brought in like a bunch of chords and music and it was just such a and i realized that as it was happening i was like oh my god like this this is such a Monumental task to learn. Every single passage is different. There are key changes. There are a million melodies. You know, it's like, yeah, (laughs) like I feel so bad having these guys in here trying to learn (laughs) the song. And we ended up playing this gig and it went all right. You know, we definitely, I think, did a good job. But like afterward, they're like, I'm, we can't, I can't do this. This is too much. Except, for my now producer and drummer and mix engineer and one of my best friends, Paul racer, you know, we had that conversation. He was like, well, I'm down actually. I'm let's, I want to keep, keep going with this thing. And we ended up like working very closely. And I think that's kind of, you know, there's been a lot of value in that. I really love having such a small and like nimble team. And that like even extends to like, you know like we work with our manager we don't have like a huge like massive team behind us and that's like you know i think by design of like how i like to work which is that you know i love to pivot if if necessary a lot of a lot of things change very fast and i feel like having a band or having a huge like you know team of people would feel like trying to steer a ship you know
0: I absolutely 100% 100 completely empathize with that because it's (laughs) the reason I never really had a band um, in high school or through college was because the songs I was writing were not hard to play, but hard to learn, Um, you know, just like because of the massive undertaking it is to remember every minute detail of a song with six or seven movements. That's five and a half minutes long with no repetition, You know, like, none of the parts are hard to play, really, if, like, you're halfway decent. Like, you don't have to be virtuosic. Like, you just have to want to. Yeah. You know? Like, that's why, like, Benny and I have been working together. Like, Benny was the first drummer since my friend Brad, who, like, I used to write a bunch of songs with back in the day. Well, Benny's the first one that, like show genuine interest in the music I was making and I think it requires someone to kind of be a fan of what you're doing to want to be a part of it it's not just like a casual jump in on bass and follow the root notes type of project and oh my it's, god
2: exactly you I know, feel that so much and that was like a big thing when I started working with Cole it took a lot of like very a, a lot of just discomfort and transitions to really create a good work relationship because like yeah. I was, that's what I was thinking where I was like like there's no how could you possibly like my music enough to actually like yeah dude do <laughs> I was like I think even subconsciously every time I'd like ask him to do something I'd like try to give him like the bare minimum of what I could ask of him just because I was like you have yes. to be insane to want to like Really yes dude and like he just kept he kept hammering it he was like dude like if you want me to be in this thing i will be in it like fully and i was like god like this guy's crazy
0: but that's it, my exact <laughs> thoughts so about great. Benny. like what <laughs> i was so <laughs> confused at first like it took me so many times jamming with benny to realize like they're actually committed and just wanted to do it i was just like i'm still kind of like in awe of it because it's just like you you don't expect to have it and it's no matter how good you believe that your shit is it's it's just like every my bandmates will tell you anytime we jam I'm always like hey I really appreciate you guys for even being here <laughs> it's such a crazy thing but I think it's also a sign I of am
1: only here for the money
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think, though, that's – it's it's I think it's okay to pat yourself on the back a little bit and yeah. say, like, the reason – like, I, I do something here that I think people should want to commit to. You know, as much as the, the instinct is to go, like, you know, feel almost guilty for asking, I think it's okay to, like, believe in what you're doing to the extent where you should expect that some – that not that everyone, but that enough people will understand the potential that – they would want to put in the extra work for the, the extra potential of like the reward side of it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to like really become comfortable with, but you know, I've really been trying my best and I think I've gotten pretty good at, at that in particular thing that you, you kind of pointed out and I mean, everything just becomes so much better because of it. Like, really?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's the whole, uh, I love this one. One of my favorite cliches is, uh, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will, which, you know, that's on its own. It's cheesy as shit, obviously. But like, when you think about how it kind of applies, like if you, if you have, if you, everyone's got doubt, you know what I mean? But if you let it linger in how you think about your potential to make it as an artist, that can fester and that can influence your decision-making that can influence your vibe in general, the energy that you give off to people that are potential bandmates or potential fans or whatever. Like if you just without being cocky and arrogant and delusional, but if you allow yourself to just think in terms of not planning for failure and just expecting that eventually it's all going to work out. Like if you, if you operate on that level with uh, you know, maintaining gratefulness, maintaining humility, I think that goes such a long way. It's such a uh, small, like behind the scenes step that a lot of people maybe don't think to take, but that I really try to apply. And I, you know, it sounds like you're, that's what you're kind of getting at too, is that you're getting there. And obviously it's a process, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, it's not in everyone's nature. It's not in my nature to think that way, but if you start really trying to hammer it home to yourself, you can start doing it. And you know you just think about people out you meet out in the world just like super confident people like to a certain extent it's it's endearing like someone they might not even be very good but if they're just really confident it's just almost like i like this person obviously with exceptions you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i just think it's okay to have some belief in yourself i guess is what i'm saying
2: I feel that, you know, and it took, it took a long time. I think like I've always, I think had a certain amount of confidence in the stuff that I do. And at least that I, I think it's good and I like it, but it felt like a whole other level to like trust that other people could like it the way that I do. You know, that's a big, it's a big leap from like, I believe in the thing I'm doing to like yeah. I'm creating something that's worthy of other people's, you know, belief. And, yeah especially you know now that a lot more people are listening to it it's kind of surreal you know i mean i it's just such a great feeling anytime somebody's like like i really enjoyed this thing like this is this has impacted me in any way it's just like god like wow
0: (laughs) yeah and you seem like a like a pretty humble person in in a lot of ways you know and i i really genuinely hope that like you, you get bigger and bigger. And I really hope that like, you can maintain that sort of, I hope that surreal feeling doesn't go away for you. You know what I mean? Just like, I would, I wish that for everybody who achieves success and I, hopefully myself one day, like, I, I hope I can maintain that, that gratitude and like that feeling of what the fuck, this is awesome. Like when someone likes something that you do and like, is willing to just give their time to whether it's listen to it or play it or, or share it or whatever. Like I just think that that's really important in general. You know, I'm, I'm getting real emo, dude. I'm soapboxing a lot the back half of this episode, but I really <laughs> I feel that I feel that a lot though. I think that's very important. And I'm, I, I like that. I'm hearing you kind of say this stuff.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think as long as I ha- I can still get that feeling from listening to music. Like it's, it's always going to be surreal hearing it from other people you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz like, yeah, you're you're a listener too, you know? You know how it feels.
2: To oh, yeah. Be in love I'm with a th- huge just fan of
0: music. <laughs>
2: it's it's so much. I love it.
0: Now, have you uh have you done any touring and stuff like before the pandemic?
2: Uh not really. No. We we did a couple of shows around New York and we're, I think starting to find our feet with uh the live scene in New York like right as right as we were reaching you know spring of last year and uh you know the plan was to keep you know chipping away at that so that we could eventually do a tour like this year and you know obviously that's all changed so
0: yeah (laughs) i was gonna say like i wonder if you know i mean obviously i don't necessarily wonder but i wonder to the extent that this is true like being in a place like new york los angeles whatever these big markets you can probably blow up you know, to a, a decent amount without really having to go that far just because there's so much and there's so like there's so many different access points to the industry, I guess, in New York. And there's so much higher heightened visibility in places like that. Yeah. Like, and I, I wonder if like that has some, been something that you've noticed or if, you, if you've seen other artists have that experience around you.
2: Um, it's a little weird. I mean, I'll say one thing in New York is that it's, um, it feels simultaneously like a really small music community and like it's overwhelmingly big. And like what I mean by that is there's so many bands and such a small amount of space, not to mention that New York attracts like the entire tri tri state area that. It can it can be really hard and competitive trying to even get a space to play a show, let alone you know, get people to go to it. Like on any uh, given night on any given night within ten blocks of you, there's a better show going on. You know, so it's it's <laughs> yeah. already hard to do that. But on the other hand, it's it feels really small. You know, you go from place to place, borough to borough, and you still you run into the same people, the same bands, you know, if you're following you know people online and you see these lineups and it's always you know you really start becoming familiar with like who is making waves in that and i think one really inspiring part of this like this music scene in particular and i'm sure there are sort of parallel things in other other cities and other places that you'll see bands that build such an amazing like sense of community around their music like through the live scene and in person That, you know, you'll have bands that hardly could be considered like, you know, superstars, but it's like they really, you know, you'll see you'll find musicians doing music like full time, you know, that, you know, they're not huge. They just have a really good community and they have people around them kind of championing them. And that was that's that's been a really inspiring part. You know, it makes it feel so much more attainable that, you know, you don't have to like become a number one artist, like, you know, right. pay rent yeah. and you know do stuff like that. It feels, it feels a lot more real.
0: I, I think in a lot of ways too, like that's almost, I mean, from speaking to my own preferences, like I would prefer to be that type of acclaimed or whatever. I would, I would like to live the type of life where walking down the street or whatever, like maybe sometimes people would recognize you, but for the most part, you're anonymous. But then when you go to your show, everyone's there because of this community that you've created around an idea around the art around just an energy. And I think that would be the best possible life in my opinion. Yeah. You know, that's that totally would be amazing. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like as much as that'd be awesome to like play arenas and shit, like from like a, wow, this is happening in my life type of perspective. Like I don't know how community or how communal that would feel like i'm not saying it wouldn't feel fucking awesome i just think that there's an appeal to hanging out after the show and not getting like completely bum rushed by everybody but you like can can hang out and talk to people and you can make a decent living doing it you know what i mean like and you get to see the country and the world or whatever and still live a relatively normal life where you don't have to sacrifice like your your just your freedom's a, a rough word but like you know like people you know pe- people are like super famous like lady gaga can't go to fucking target without someone <laughs> being like oh my god you know what i mean like that would yeah. get annoying after a while that would so get annoying that's
2: a scary thing yeah and it's it's weird because i i definitely feel that but then at the same time i know i have big ideas you know ever since i
1: believe ever since i
2: started (laughs) wanting to play shows i've i've been like envisioning the perfect like arena show but you know i know like if we ever get to that place which i hope we do all the places in between i think and even at that level i want to be able to have that sense of community and like you know something that goes beyond just people being fans of music but like You know, a lot of people have created these amazing worlds around their music where the people that enjoy it are connected to each other, which I think is like amazing. Yeah, you you find people that become friends who will get married, you know, through being fans of of the same music. And that's like, isn't that crazy?
0: It is. It's pretty insane. Like, you know, I, I couldn't even imagine how awesome that would feel. You know, like I, I feel good when I'm playing a show and like this one time I played a show and the guy running sound was like this old hippie in a Hawaiian shirt, but he was vibing out, didn't know any of the songs, but he started controlling the lights to be in sync with the beat. And I was like, this is the best moment of my whole life. So like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like that feeling to like the 100th degree seeing someone hitting you up in the DM saying, hey. You know, I want to propose to my girl. We met at one of your shows five years ago. Could we come up on stage and do it? I'd be like,
1: uh, like, is this real life? <laughs> right?
2: It's it's so cool. Like, I had somebody like send me a video the other day of like them just like jamming out with their friend in their car to like our new song, and I was like, ah, oh, like this is amazing. I love I love that. Yeah, so you much, start to realize that. Like,
0: I, I do that. You know. <laughs> yeah it's like when are you, you, are you when you start to again? realize that other people are looking at you the way you look at, wait, am I still here?
2: Wait, I'm sorry, one more time, you kind of cut out a little bit there.
0: <laughs> can you hear us now? We all good now, oh sorry, um, uh, but it's like, but can you hear us now, by the way, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think it's when you start to realize that some people are looking at you the way you look at people you look up to or like like artists that you admire, it's like they there's this certain level. Of just liking someone's shit adds this layer of like intrigue and almost like mystery to them, where they're this heightened figure, you know, even though they're just a normal person living their life. But then you realize people start to look at you that way. And it's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) You just want to be like, hey, I'm just a guy, you know, like, it's all good. Like, but it's so cool. I, 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 on a limited basis, know what you're talking about from like people DMing about the podcast and stuff. But that's another level. Someone sending you a video of like jamming your song. Like, what the fuck? That's so awesome. That's yeah, so it's rad. just,
2: and it's such a great like bonding experience, you know. Like, I just, I feel connected to so many people through the mi- music we listen to together, because like that's that's I feel like that's what music is, you know. Like when you hear a song, like you want to share it with like whoever you can, and that's like that. Yeah, just such an experience.
0: Yeah, and you know, we'll wrap up here in a minute. Uh, and I, you know, I really appreciate your time. It's been a definitely a good conversation. Oh yeah, um, that
1: blew by that was awesome yeah but i think
0: to kind of tie it together to like the the abstract to the more business side of things like this idea of like creating a community like that sounds so nice and it sounds like abstractly like such a idealistic cool thing but i think that's why it's important in today's day and age to learn how to master the business side of things especially like the targeted ads type thing yeah because if you're really trying to create a community what better way than to find your audience literally on the internet with all the tools you have available to you you know what i mean so like a lot of people are averse to learning that stuff because they 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 maybe they're like purists at heart or something and they don't want to do that but in a way that's going to help you with like these pure idealistic things that you want to do yeah so that's why i really think it's important to get into that type of stuff but Anyway, Jirai, dude, if there's anything that we missed that you wanted to bring up, by all means. But if not, like, just plug whatever you like, where people can find you and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, no, I mean this this was a great conversation. I feel like we talked about a lot of good stuff. I don't have anything that I feel like we missed. So hell yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to find me, I'm I'm on the internet everywhere, just at Jarai Claire um except for tiktok i think that one's just at jiraiya with like an underscore or something like that and um we just released a new song it's called debt collector it is it's an experience i think you just got to be there it is (laughs) um yeah i mean that's that's all the stuff i got to plug right now i mean thanks thanks for having me this has been awesome
0: yeah dude and uh you know if when the time does come to go on tour or whatever, you're coming through Detroit, just let us know, dude. We can probably as long as there's venues again, you know, we could probably get you booked. You know, we have a lot of friends around here. And uh oh, that'd be amazing. You could, you could swing through and you could uh do this in person.
2: Yes. I'm so, so down for both of those
0: things. <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. I, I keep I keep saying that hoping that everybody
1: takes me up on it too dude invite <laughs> invite the neighbors fast it's happening we'll it's have literally... it at, we'll have it at either the sanctuary or summit shack and it'll be awesome yeah i dude it's gonna
0: happen one day but yeah so just that's that's not a polite offer that's a real offer <laughs> so just i
2: literally just, will also like yeah just summit shack is just one of my little like bucket list places that i'd love to go, go to so yeah
0: i'll oh, say know. the word connor will get you in there oh 100 i gotta get yeah. over there yeah, it'll happen. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> uh, as as long, long as they're there, it, it they'll do. They'll bring you on. Absolutely, they will. Um, um, <laughs> that's I guess a great way to end an episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Again, if you want to be featured on an ad, like you heard in the beginning of the episode, it's very cheap. I'm talking like ten, fifteen bucks an episode. I can't remember. Um, I have to look at the numbers and figure out what's fair. But honestly, dude, like if you have something coming out and you don't have time to to be on an episode or our scheduling doesn't line up, you still want to be featured, you still want your copy read or whatever you want to call it, email me, invite the neighbors at gmail.com. And that is it. Thank you for listening and please rate review, subscribe, follow us on Spotify. So you never miss an episode.
1: Thank you.